What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Racing Dudes Live with a special uh, roundtable discussion. Fan Forum Magic here with Jared, Aaron, and Papa Dude. And uh, gentlemen, some interesting topics here to, to talk about, you know, covering the current state of horse racing issues that we have that we would like to see change ideas we have and also talking to kind of about the future of horse racing as well and if you're joining us live thank you so much uh leave your thoughts in the chat uh interact with us throughout the show we love to hear from you uh if you're watching us on a replay throw your comments in the comments section again love to hear from you there and we'll interact with you some more there or on social media but uh let's start off things here guys uh by the way i will throw up here i do have a timer so uh, make sure we keep the show moving. 16 minutes for the first one. Uh, this is the really big one that kind of sparked it all. Uh, talking about safety here. Jared, I'll start with you. What went wrong at Churchill Downs in Saratoga this summer? <laughs> we, do we only have 16 minutes, huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot uh, to be... You know, the thing about Churchill that is still weird, I don't think they ever really came to determination that what really was wrong with the track. They, they kept running training over it it just i think it was more that to me felt up more like a a you know uh how do i want to say this drugging and trainers that shouldn't be running and those the horses the quality of horses they're running that kind of thing whereas saratoga felt like a combination of everything it was it was the weather it was the track being in poor conditions it was uh some of the other stuff right um and so it just felt like the perfect storm no pun intended for for Saratoga um, this this uh, this summer. It, it, they got more. I mean, th like they got a ton of rain. I, I I know, but it just felt like what could go wrong uh, did go wrong for for them this summer. Aaron, what were your thoughts on kind of just the general breakdown rashes that we had all spring and summer? The Churchill Downs thing is really interesting because horses never stop training over it, and so I think that kind of gets back to a. If the surface was truly unsafe, would all the big trainers just keep training horses there? Uh, I remember when they announced they're going to shut that down. I was with my buddies up in Iowa, and they're like, "Wow, or like, are we going to see big time horses training over Ellis Park this time of year now? How weird is that going to be to look at the workout reports and see, you know, those types of horses?" And that didn't happen. It simply didn't happen. All of them just kept training there, and so it does make you wonder what exactly did happen there. And and you know, so that was weird. I think with Saratoga, I, I, as I look back on it now, reflect back on it, being at the track was probably what drove this the hardest uh, for us because, you know, it's one thing seeing it on TV, but actually seeing it there in person was tough. And I think uh, when it comes to Saratoga specifically, that's kind of the meat where where you kind of tell everybody, hey, if, you, if you're new to the game, go there. Hey, come up here. You've never been to horse racing. Come up here to Saratoga. It's kind of the meat where uh, – it's supposed to be great, you know, and, and none of that uh, stuff's supposed to happen. And it just happened over and over again. So, you know, I mean, Poppy, yeah, I went to two at... big days at oh, Saratoga sorry. this year. I mean, Halterman went to one more, I think, than I did. But and both that time, well, we went multiple days. But the main days we went, you know, the Travers and the Whitney, you you left contemplating why you're in the game, and that's kind of the opposite of <laughs> of any track you go to, but especially like Halterman said, Saratoga, typically where you leave the track and you're, you're, you can't believe what you just saw. And I mean, that, that's two huge races of the year that I didn't care at all what happened, you know, when that race happened. And so it's just, it was, uh, like he said too, I think being there was a huge factor, um, as well, but 
it's still, I think for, you know, halt or for you magic, um, you know, I reached out to you. I know as well, like I felt really bad for you having to, you did, you know, and it wasn't just you, it was the people that you, whether it be analysts or whatever that were live, anything live with that, like you were in a weird spot, you know, you had to like, you were talking about, Oh, you're excited. You know, and then boom, she goes down and it's just, it's hard. Like it's hard for even if you weren't there. Yeah, I, I thought like a fun job to have in horse racing would be like a paddock analyst someday at a track. Uh, just like like a fun little side, you know, job at a, a track every once in a while. And I was thinking in moments like that, I'm like, there's no way you could go back on air. Like after that happens, like, all right, well, we're race eight here at Saratoga. We've yeah. got a field of it. Like, no, like you don't care. And you know that 90% of your audience doesn't care either. So it's, it's, it's tough. Papa, dude, you kind of come at it from a different perspective because... Aaron and Jared have been working in this industry for over 10 years. I've been doing it for uh, several years now, but you come at it more from a fan perspective. So when you see this sort of thing happen on the big days on national TV, what, what happens in your mind? Well, you know, I do, you're right, but I'm kind of the guy who got these two started. So I, I, I am more than a fan, but my whole thing has been on this track deal. And I've said it from the start. When the trainers don't take their horses off out of training, then is the track to blame? I mean, I never have understood why we have all of these problems, but the trainers stay there with their horses. That doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me. I can't get past that because I know some of those guys don't care, but a lot of them do. So that part I don't understand. I, I don't. And I, how much of it is rotten luck? Some of it is just happens, you know, and it happened on the worst days. You know, how much of that's rotten luck? I don't know. Unfortunately, horses breaking down is part of this sport. And I, I question sometimes, you know, I, I don't know I don't know you as well, Magic, as I do Jared and Aaron. We're horse lovers. I, I think we're animal lovers. Right, guys? Am I right, Jared? Yeah, oh, yeah. You're, you're an animal yeah. lover. I, I've seen you with your dogs. I know how you are. Magic, I think you are. <laughs> yeah. I think you are. We can't stand that when we see it. I think some people it doesn't bother as much as it does us. Is that a valid point, you think? I, I think some people, you know, they don't love animals like we do. And, man, if I'd have been with, with you guys and have been at the track that day, when that happened, oh, my God, I would have been just like you. I would have. I've never seen one break down right in front of, of you. Know, where the horse broke down, both of them, was in the very worst spot, right? It was right there at the finish line. It wasn't over on the back stretch where you can't see everything. And I've seen one that happened one time, but it was way over on the back stretch. And it's not the same as right there in front. So, yeah. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I just sometimes I think these things happen. And guys, here's the other thing. You go in Walmart in any place in the country, you interview a hundred people, you ask them, what do you think about what happened at Saratoga? You're gonna go, maybe one person even knows what you're talking about. I think sometimes we get too close to this. You know what I mean? I yeah, mean Alderman and I had that discussion. Um 
we kind of Halter and I went through a lot of phases. I felt like uh, whenever because we were together, you know, for a long a lot of the time. Um, obviously traveling for these these big days when these things happen. So we had a lot of one on one combos, and I feel like we kind of came to that realization. Yeah. At some point, I don't remember, you know, how long it took us, but kind of like I think we might be too close to this, you know, yeah. where it's like people aren't like, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with us caring about it. Oh um, no. But, but we're. We're, we're like because in our minds you know these we're coming from not just being uh, fans of horses and, and and the game and in general it's like this is our livelihood too you know i provide for my family halterman provides for his family we provide for magic's family. you know like we help with it like we have multiple pe people that depend on this business and when you start to see those things happen you know, you know we're always like oh well here we go like this is the beginning of the end this is it you know and you, it it's it weighs on you super heavy more so than if you're just a fan and you're like yeah well you know whatever i'm sure they'll fix it or you know and just move on you start feeling like you've got to do something you yep. know you got to fix it we got to do something and that's you know I'm not, i realize this is not going to fix it doing talking about it right here but it just feels like that we got to do something because that's that's kind of in our nature we you know if it's you know, if something's wrong with the website or if something we need to fix something, it's like we're going to do something about it. But here you, you kind of feel helpless. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I know we were coming. So, so let's kind of um, and by the way, people in the chat, I see your comments and you guys are having a great conversation there. We appreciate that. Uh, let's kind of put a, a silver lining or a positive spin on this. How can you fix this? What ideas do we have? Uh, to do it, I'll throw. I have a couple that I know are not popular and probably, honestly, aren't going to ever be accepted in horse racing. But I think the first thing is switching from dirt to synthetic. I think could be at this point a big deal. Like those two major injuries that we saw at Saratoga, those were both on dirt, right? You know, kind of relatively close to the same spot. But there was a study done uh, in 2022, the Jockey Club Equine Injury Database. Um, the injury rate per thousand horse starts synthetic surfaces were three and a half times safer than dirt and 2.2 times safer than turf. Now, huge reason everything is dirt is because of the dirt stallions, right? And then I know before my time, horse racing, Santa Anita was uh, synthetic for a bit. Del Mar, Keeneland, they tried it and they got away from it because there were a lot of soft tissue injuries. But it's been 10 years plus since then, science has changed and Gulfstream, that new Tapita track that they have had one fatal injury and 7,085 horse starts on it. Like that's, that's it. That's all they've had. Like, and so that tells you like the newest Tapita that came in has so far been the safest. And I think the best. So Aaron, why can't we just switch from dirt to synthetic? Uh, it's the, the problem uh, I think uh, is the, they're going to lose money with the betters unless they go all synthetic to all the tracks. So the problem when this was before your time, magic, uh, Santa Anita did it. Keeneland did it. Del Mar did it. They, the horses kind of went other places. Like, you know, the Derby preps at Santa Anita and Keeneland weren't very strong during that time period because they wanted to run on the dirt. And so I think if you go to the synthetics tracks, you're going to have to do it everywhere. And I think if you do it everywhere, you're going to have people to say, well, that's it. I'm done. Because if you look at the look at the betting numbers when Gulfstream Park added a synthetic surface as a third surface, people hated it. People didn't bet it. People were mad about it. And synthetic has a negative connotation when it comes to handicapping. That's just that's just how it is. I don't necessarily feel that way, but a lot of people feel that way. Um, I I was one that supported Gulfstream synthetic because 
I didn't think it's that big a deal. It's like, okay, that's great. They need to save their turf. They, when it, you know, when it rains, we can go to the synthetic. We don't have all the scratches on and on and on, but that I was in the minority. I felt with that. So that's, that is a big problem. I don't think people like to bet the synthetic uh, as much as they do the dirt. Jared. I would, I totally agree with that. And I mean, I even have that feeling sometimes you're like, oh, and, and that for, and to, to put matters worse, like we don't put very good races on the synthetic either. You know, like it's typically like, oh, you know, what is it? The, the turf way or whatever, you know, it's like, that's a big, but really there's not like these massive races that are on the turf or on the synthetic. It's viewed as this kind of between, you know, surface. And I don't think people really like that. Um, and it's not ran on enough at these big tracks, right. You know, to kind of get a feel for a lot of the handicappers as well. I think it's a problem. Um, you know, obviously with the talks of Naira adding these and it's like, maybe that becomes bigger, uh, play, but yeah, I'm not, I'm kind of with him. I, I'm not a huge, I mean, I don't necessarily care for me when I'm betting or, or handicapping, but I, you definitely get that, uh, indication. I think from a lot of people, it's like, Oh, it's, well, but you know, it's like a horse had a big performance. Well, we did it all times like that, you know, uh, two fills. Oh, it was a huge race, but it was on the synthetic. And it's kind of like you have this negative connotation already because, oh, well, it, it counted, but not really. We got to see what he does next time out because we don't see it enough. You know, we don't know how these horses are going to transition to the dirt from that synthetic surface. That's 100% accurate. And you can see it in the chat that people are like, I'd quit, I'd quit, I'd quit. I, mm-hmm. I doubt you guys would quit, but I, I, I honestly, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, specifically really the people who are it. saying it, you're not quitting. <laughs> you're not quitting, but at the same time, you're seeing a dislike. Okay. And, and these people are in the chat, and it's not just you guys in the chat, it's, it's, it's across the country. They are the customers. So you yes. do have to listen to your customers. And the customers are telling you, no, we do not want this. So you kind of have to listen to them. Isn't it? Horse Racing did listen to them. And to be quite honest, it, there's other ways we can go about it, I think. I don't think we have to rip up all the dirt and put synthetic in. I think it might help. But again, you got to listen to the customer. The customer doesn't want it. Isn't it kind of funny? And I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect towards, I mean, because I, I get what everyone's saying, but that. We're, we're 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 on here talking about horses that are dying on uh, like left and right. It felt like this this year at Saratoga, and these guys, and I mean this as in these guys as in the customers that they're sticking around still. But then the talk is synthetic, and they're gone. Yeah. You know, and it's, well, it's it's kind of funny when you put it that way. <laughs> I, I think the bottom line is the customer wants a a bettable product that they feel like they have an edge on, and I think that is always and that's going to be the rest of the show. A lot of the rest of the show that we'll talk about. I think that's still number one for anybody. And I think that's probably not a, a popular thing that somebody's going to just come out and say, but I think most of the customers in horse racing, that's what they want. Give me a bettable product on something that I can handicap and feel like I have an edge over the guy over here. And, and, and I think that's the, the main thing that people are focused on. And it's like, when it comes right down to it, that's, that's the thing. Like, that's what people care about. And that's what the customer cares about more than anything else. There's uh, one last thing I was going to talk about also is uh, changing the breeding and stallion. You know, there was initially talk about limiting, you know, stallions specifically like an into mischief can't breed to 200 plus mares a year because eventually we're going to have so many into mischiefs. Uh, the inbreeding is going to be crazy there. Uh, 
you know, crossbreeding limits, stallion limits, is that something that you guys think can help horse race? I mean, that's not something that's going to be a quick fix. That's like a, that's a generational, if you want this, like you're looking 10, 20 years down the road. Is that something that can fix it, Aaron? I think the big thing we got to think about, it, I, I don't think it's the breeding so much as what we do with the horse once we get our hands on them, how fast we make them grow up, how how hard mm. we train them, yep. how immediately, right when they're yearlings, let's get them to run the fastest time possible so they can get sold and, and boom, boom, boom. And now we're pressing on and pressing on. We need to get to these two-year-old races. We need to get this grade one or, or, or that black type so now they can go to the breeding shed. Nobody is is thinking long-term. It's all short-term, short-term, short-term. And you kind of look at the horses, uh, the two that broke down on the dirt at at, uh, at Saratoga, and it it was. They're pressing, pressing, pressing. Make them go as fast as they can go. Both of them were go, you know, getting ready to set track records. They were going so fast early. And sometimes it all kind of falls apart. And I think that's it more than anything else. You talk about the breeding. Oh, don't breed to this horse. Don't breed to that horse. There's a lot of uh, stallions out there that didn't really, that weren't really sound. They don't really throw unsound animals, right? I, it's it's what we do with them once we get them. There's a reason why a lot of trainers out there only have maybe one breakdown a year, and some of them have dozens. And, and you can't tell me, I mean, maybe it's drugs, but you can't you can't also tell me that the way they're training these horses, it's 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 too much too soon for them. All right, so we hit the end of it. Papa Dude, uh, we did, haven't gone to you in a bit. I'll let you lead off with your final thoughts uh, on safety here. <laughs> well, I, you know, talking about the breeding and everything, I think when money is involved like it is, and that's where these owners make their money is in the breeding shed. Mm -hmm. They're going to breed that horse as much as they can, you know, that's an issue that we got to deal with, you know, and you guys know a lot more about that than I do, but I do think there needs to be something done with the breeding. It seems like it's, it's, that's an issue that could be fixed if we can get everybody on board on it. The synthetic thing, if they're not betting the races, if you don't have people betting on the synthetic, then you ain't going to get that passed. That's for sure, because you got to have betting in the horse racing. Not, no not to interrupt you, but if you don't have betting, you don't have a game. Period. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. No, I'm. Not, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jared, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I think the big thing for me is, uh, and I, I talked about this for those that, that watch Bleakers Off that are watching here uh, today is, you know, we talked about this I think last week maybe, and I kind of, kind of went through, and it, it feels like to me it's like four things that are happening that we've kind of come to this realization now in horse racing four contributing factors. And honestly, I think track conditions is the fourth. Like, I think it's the least of the issues that we're dealing with. I think it's the kind of the icing on the, on the cake, so to speak. It's bad breeding combined with shitty trainers combined with shitty owners that demand. And I wouldn't, I don't want to say shitty, but like Owners that are like Halterman's alluded to, demanding more. They need to run faster. We need to get those grade ones quicker. We need to get to the tracks so we get to the breeding shed faster. All that combined, and then on top of that, a day, a day, or a meet, or whatever with bad track conditions, it's like the perfect storm, right? You have horses that are not bred well, or maybe you know, sired are justified that you know had bad injuries or weren't healthy. Trainers that do injections or medications, a lot of medications. And then owners that are demanding them to run faster and win faster. And all of a sudden, then you have a day with the track conditions being poor. And you have a just a disaster. 
Aaron, anything else to add? No, I think I I think they've summarized it. I, I think that's that's a pretty good uh, pretty good ending. We can go on to the next uh, topic. <laughs> well, Mark Heff kind of started leading us down there talking about trainers and and uh, medications yeah. and, and overdrugging horses, and that's a big problem here. And that does lead us to the next topic here: uh, dirty trainers. Hiss is kind of running the show now, but do we really feel any more confident about trainers being stopped? If you look currently today, second in the nation in wins, Jamie Ness. Uh, Carl Broberg, 9th. Safi Joseph, 10th. Robert Diodoro, 11th. Linda Rice, 12th. I thought it was funny that they're all right in a line within a few wins of each other. But uh, you bring those up, and then you know the leader in wins for the nation is Brad Cox. People make claims all the time about Bob Baffert. You can go on and on. How do we fix the dirty trainer issue, Aaron? I have no idea because they're using stuff that's undetectable. And that's the problem, right? I mean, uh, Safi Joseph, uh, or not, I'm sorry, not Safi Joseph, although obviously that could happen at any time, but Jorge Navarro uh, and service get busted by the FBI. Um, and, and I think horse racing had a great idea. I think anybody who watches it had a great idea that they were doing it and they probably, you know, horse racing was probably somebody in horse racing was involved in tipping off the FBI. They don't just come randomly searching horse barns. Right. But my point is they got caught, they got busted. They went to jail. These guys didn't pop positives all the time. I mean, they would have a minor one, a very minor one here or there. We never caught them with our own, you know, testing. And that's the thing. I, these people know how to mask it. They know they know what they're doing. Um, so I really don't know how you fix it. I, I don't. Because if you can't catch them and you can't get them to pop positives, how exactly do you keep them out of the game? I, I don't, I'm not sure. But it's, it's clear. And if you follow horse racing, you know who it is. But how do you catch them? And I, I better testing is the only way I could say, but I have no idea what goes on and how involved you're going to have. Hey, I got a dumb question. Go ahead. If we're not catching them, how do we know they're doing it? Well, I, I, I just think, are we, we just thinking they're doing it? I mean, do you feel like uh, if, if a guy claims a horse for 15,000 and all of a sudden they're, well, I, know. I mean, but how, Okay. I guess I'm being very naive here. I just why why aren't we changing the testing procedures? I mean, if we're pretty sure they're doing this shit, mm -hmm. then why aren't we breaking this down? Why isn't this why isn't the horse racing community whatever demanding that this is taken care of? To me they're not. Am I looking at this wrong? Am I looking yeah. at like everybody just stands around and says, how the hell was it? I think that's pretty much what people do on the backside. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's bullshit. So if we're going to solve this, then somebody's going to have to come to the front and say, hey, I'm tired of this crap. Yeah. We got to get this under control. Because I think, uh, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier, that betting dictates everything. And if that's true. And if no, nothing's happening, right? No, there's no running away this. from the track. And Jared, let me ask you this. Do you think people bet Jamie Ness because they think he's juicing? Yes. And he's going to win. Yes. 1000%. Okay. That's, that's a problem then, right? I, that's I guess, I guess the people who really matter are the better, right? Yeah. 
This and year at Saratoga, you could you knew like if you watched Saratoga every single day and you knew when you needed to bet Linda Rice and when you didn't need to. Bet okay, Rice. okay, it was so clear. Yeah, like, so there's you go. Go these hot streaks, and then she couldn't win one to save her life. It was very, and then, yeah, you get burned here and there whenever you can, but then you start to see the wind shift and like, all right, now it's time yeah. to pop back on. I, I I'm going to say right now too. All of us do the same thing, don't we? Well, yeah. Can we bet on the cheaters? You, if you don't, you're not going to be in the game very long. No. Yeah. So, so, but here's here's the pro. Here's the pro to answer kind of your question. If you if you are a track and a trainer has sixty head of horses on the mm -hmm. track, what are you going to do? You got to have horses in your fields. Are you really going to go bust them? Are you really going to look into them? Or are you just going to hey? Hopefully nothing bad happens and just, Hey, we got to have them. And, and the problem is the amount of barns that are like that at these tracks, I feel like are growing. That's what I was going to say. It's growing. When it, it, and guys, let's, let's, I don't want to name names guys, no. but let's go back. Let's say eight years ago at Oakland, there was two probably where you knew, right. Every time they, two or three, every time they enter one, you go, okay, all right. And now you look at Oakland at a program, and I'm saying Oakland just because of Jared and, and Papa Dude, our experiences for that long of a time we followed it. You look at it now and you're like, one, two, three, four, fuck, seven, eight. You know what I mean? So it's a field of 10, and there's like six of them. It's like, I don't, I don't feel good about leaving them off. I mean, right. Jared, do you agree? I mean, oh, totally. It, you, yeah. you go through the form. And to be honest, it's, it's an, there's an issue. And I look at guys like, you know, our, our good friend Kelly, not as, a, as what he's doing, like, cause he has, he's play, he plays by the rules. He yep. is very, he's just, he's as straight as they come when it, when it comes to the regulations and stuff. And it's like, it's hard for him to compete at bigger tracks at bigger levels because and it, it, you kind of have that. If, if you're playing a game that, you know, you know, so-and-so is cheating and I can either be successful in the game and I have to do something to be successful or my owners are going to leave and they're going to go to exactly where they do win. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know? And so you kind of have this combination of the, you know, the owners are demanding success and the trainers need to fulfill that success. They have to win. They know they're going somewhere else. And how do you do it? You have to compete. And it, it's a it's it's this massive circle we've created that it is and on top of it the like and that's the other thing about the the tracks halterman it's like well we have such poor regulations and poor testing that every time you someone pops a positive it's like well well you know like there was contamination i'm sure you know yeah. or well you know so and so was on benadryl and then i think he was touching the horse so maybe they whatever like there's always some bullshit excuse so we don't have any like <laughs> real regulations i feel like it, from these track to tracks that can even do anything about it when we know like yeah. hey we all know it like it's like we know that what you did it but do we how do we prove it because so, the regulations with, are so poor yeah it, it like with husker butch you know uh the, the horse i've got a little piece of that's it the owners are kelly me and like three of kelly's best friends and we have a group text and after he runs second we always say we're sending that some bitch Diodoro so we can win a race. We got to pay these bills, you know, and <laughs> we're obviously kidding. Right. And it's funny and we all laugh about it, but those are real conversations at other places with, with other people. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. Okay. I I've, I've seen that firsthand with other people that aren't friends of his and other people that maybe don't know 
the situations. That's what they say. Okay. Let, it, that that's a very real thing that we joke about, but it does happen. Let me ask when you this, and we can end it with kind of, this. Could kind of be the the segue of, of this segment, but like what? Just th- like thinking of the most extreme way, let's assume that we could find a system that is uh, efficient and 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 can actually detect the big drugs and the issues. Could we not just say, you know what, you get caught cheating, you're gone, it's over. Like two, I mean, maybe at, at we start off with two year ban or something, just enough to where it's like, no, we're not like there's a zero tolerance tolerance policy. Yeah. Could you do that? Like, do you think you could? Because then the issue becomes well, all these like false positives and the contaminations, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, or we do is that what we need to do to start to move this needle when it comes to uh, the trainers being, you know, the drugging issues? Like, hey, listen, we're not doing the five hundred dollar fines when you test a pot. Like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. it needs to be, it needs to be a punishment. How about a million dollar fine? How about a, you know, like, let's make it where these trainers think twice about you know injecting a horse yep uh, good thought. i think that's kind of what churchill downs tried to do with baffert but then you didn't have everybody kind of go along with it so mm-hmm. you'd almost have to have a whole body operating that which i don't know if that's going to happen but yeah honestly well, like that's, and that is the biggest thing halterman you said it you have to have something powering over all that to make something like that yeah. happen yeah and and i think i think more than just hey you're banned from the game 500,000, a million dollars. If you get, you know what I mean? That'll keep you out of it because one of these people care about more than anything else, money. You have to give up 500,000, $300,000. Make the punishment big enough to where they'll think twice before they do anything that's going to affect it, right? Yeah. Or, you know what? I thought is what Christopher says, like, what if you. You know, what if you put more of the pain on the on the on the owner? Oh, no no doubt. Like yeah. if you put the like if if your horse pet you know pops a positive, the owner gets the penalty, not the you know. And maybe all of a sudden the the issue becomes, well, my owner as an owner, I'm making making sure I'm not because like you said, we all know who it's who's doing it, right? So if I'm the owner, I'm not giving my horse to Diodoro, right? Because I don't want to get a five hundred thousand uh, dollar, you know, penalty when it happens. <laughs> As an owner, I'm totally against this. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would say no to that one. <laughs> uh, you're not a typical owner. But but listen, here here's why you can't do that. And I'm not saying owners are are innocent. They're not. But I'm sitting here in Missouri. That horse is up in Iowa. I have no idea. You know, no. I have no idea yeah, what they're doing with them. So you can't really do that. You didn't give five million for the horse either. Well, no, but even if I did, I still, if I'm sitting here in Missouri and the, and the horses in Iowa or Arkansas or Kentucky, I don't know what's happening. If Halter gave five million for it and this was a rule, he'd be sleeping with the horse. Well, right? that's true. They do anyway. If you, gave, <laughs> if you gave a whole bunch of money for a horse, I think you'd be a little bit more hands-on maybe than what you are right now. I, I, honestly, Papa Dude, you would think, and I would be that way, but these people are not. No, because, false. okay, I, I know we're out of time, but. These owners, most of these guys that are paying that money for those big time horses, that's an investment to them. Right. They, they can, they that they're not losing any money on that. They're just they're just throwing it, you know, because they got it. They got the money. Yeah, go ahead, Magic. Next. Anyway, I'm sorry, Magic. Move us along. No, that's all right. This is the uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, 
the next topic is something that Aaron kind of alluded to a little bit ago. Uh, field sizes. You know, how do we how do we improve field sizes? You know, fewer race dates, fewer graded stakes races. You know, do you disable? You know, lots of different ideas. Aaron, I'll I'll go back to you to start this one. What? How do you improve field sizes? Well, this is this one's pretty simple to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, racing is going to have to contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be painful for some, for sure. I, I don't necessarily want tracks to close and people to lose jobs. I think that's awful. But I, I think it's just the simple fact of we have less horses and we're going to have to have less tracks. I mean, that's that's what it's going to have to be, um, unfortunately. And we're going to have to do a little bit better job of working together. So this probably never happened, but we need to work together to spread out, you know, these bigger races to where we're not running them on top of each other. That would be big, too. But racing is going to have to contract they're probably going to have to cut down the number of graded stakes as well you mentioned it magic and once again you've got less horses in the you're breeding less and less horses you can't have the same number of graded stakes there's not enough horses to run in all of them um so i i think with the way these horses are trained with the way they're spotted month like two months out between races you're just going to have to cut down the graded stakes, which is contraction. And unfortunately, I think you're going to have to cut down the tracks a bit as well. Racing's got to contract, in my opinion. When you guys, you guys, especially uh, you got you, the the Halterman's here, like, isn't it kind of similar to the fact like, uh, and you can be like, no, dude, you don't know. But um, with college football, how the idea of we need to contract these conferences, we need to get them more aligned all in these. Like, there's, I feel like you don't even know what, you know, it's like everyone's changing that what conferences they want to go to and who's where and what does it mean and where they, you know, where they travel and all these things. It's like, it just feels like, isn't the smartest idea to, to make this aligned where everyone's kind of in these prospective conferences and we know where they're at? And it's like similar to, why, why can't we have tracks contract and then have like a, a, a central and a west and an east division or, or a south, you know, whatever, whatever, like have four different divisions where these tracks kind of are within and you, you could create so much more buildup with less tracks. You know, you could have the east versus west or all these different matchups over these horses, uh, you know, like we could create these marketing things to help grow the sport. Um, but now it's like every track is for themselves. Every, you know, it's not, we don't give a shit. And believe me, let me be clear. This is never going to change because these tracks don't care about the other ones. They just don't like Naira doesn't give two shits about what Oakland's doing. You know, as long as people are betting Naira, that's all that matters. And that's the bottom line. And unfortunately, and, and I just, that would be a perfect ideal situation. It's just, I don't think it's ever going to happen. That's a, I'll just chime in, Jared. That is a fantastic thought. I could see rivalries, like you say, build up, you know, have a conference. That, yeah, like Oaklands with Prairie Meadows and Remington and whatever. That would, yeah, that would be pretty good. It really would. They, they kind of sort of do that now. They kind of have the circuits, you know, where the trainers go three different tracks, you know, they kind of have that, but that is a really good idea. I hate to see the little tracks close. I really do, but I think it's going to have to happen because we don't have enough horses to fill the fields. You know, I do this every morning and my gosh, some of these tracks, 
you know, they have six races and six horses in a field. And yeah, it's, you know, you wonder well, how, they, how they stay open. I don't if know. You, if you got rid of the smaller tracks and then contracted, like to say, I'm just using it as an example, since it's like you said, it's where we kind of built up, but like you have Oaklawn and that's your main one. Right. And you, and you, you kill off a few of those other ones around, you know, and but then you have to expand the races offered at Oakland, you know, because now you have to attract those, the lesser horses that were running at, again, I'm yeah. just, you know, getting, running at Remington, they're running at, at uh, Will Rogers, you know, running at Louisiana Downs or whatever. Like you have to contract, you have to make more offerings for those lesser races for those horses to come to Oakland to run, want to run there. Right. So either yeah. run longer meets or you run more days or you have 14 races and so. 12, 10 races or whatever it is um but you have to add in but that to me now you're getting these less it doesn't matter if they're lesser horses because they're, they're running against the lesser competition but it's at oakland you know so it's this more prestigious racetracks that you could do that at versus like dude you and i well halterman's excluded i i'm not betting will rogers i'm just not i'm like i just just <laughs> never doing it. i'm never the only time i bet it once and that was when halter dragged me there um <laughs> and so i'll never bet it again but if those horses those same horses and again this is a, like i get their oakland red whatever but like if they're running at oakland i'm probably betting it right because i'm betting oakland no, that's so true. i just think well, there's more opportunity when you start to do that I, so i think i think the big experiment of will this work is actually going to take place because golden gates closing down and the, the idea is they're going to consolidate and run them all at santa anita but what jared said is a thousand a thousand a thousand percent true you can't bring the golden gate horses to santa anita and make them run against allowance horses that are Baffert and Sadler and all those guys no, no, you can't absolutely. do it. They're all going to leave and they'll just go somewhere else. You got to write races for them. And the whole experiment is, will they be more likely to bet on a $5,000 claimer non-winners of two with a field of 10 at Santa Anita because it says Santa Anita on the program mm -hmm. instead of golden gate. That's a big experiment that we're going to get ready to find out. Right. So uh, I, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, indeed. And I, to be clear, I don't think you get rid of all the small tracks. I think you get rid of the small tracks that just aren't serving a purpose, right? Like you got Belterra and you got Thistle Down. One of y'all run and one of y'all don't, right? Because you got six horse fields every day at both tracks where you could you could combine and get 10 horse fields, right? I, I'm not saying, hey, we better close Will Rogers. I mean, they, they don't really run against any company. Uh, right there next to them uh, that have Oklahoma bred. So they're probably okay. But if Will Rogers and Remington Park was running at the same time, Will Rogers, what is it doing, right? Talking about thoroughbreds, they're running quarter horses now, different. But uh, you, you, can't, you can't run on top of each other like that. If there's an Oklahoma circuit and they're all on different times like they are, fine. They're, they'll probably be able to survive. But you can't run on top of each other. It, it's, no. We don't have enough horses to do that anymore. One thing that bugs the hell out of me, and I can make this my final thoughts, but um, stop allowing cross entries on the same card. Like it happened at Woodbine with the summer stakes and the Natal mistakes, and you've got four Phillies entered against the boys. Like you could have a field of 11, you got a field of seven. You have these second and fourth morning line choices that could both scratch, one of them run. Like, yeah, it's from a handicapping perspective. Yeah. It makes no sense for me to try and handicap when I want something to come out a week in advance. It now makes no sense for me to even look at this until scratches are out. So 
Uh, stop allowing that. And st- I, it'll never happen, but stop allowing multiple entries from the same trainer. If you tell Chad Brown he can only ever have one horse in a race, those owners are suddenly going to be looking for other trainers to put their horses in, and suddenly those trainers now get more horses. Because, like, oh, somebody other than Chad Brown actually can train, train a, a turf horse in New York, so I'll do that. So those me- are my ideas for well, they're great. I, I got to jump in on this because, Dennis, you're taking what I'm saying and you're taking it wrong, Okay. I'm not saying close down all the small tracks. I'm not saying Prairie Meadows, Remington, Will Rogers, all the Texas cracks. Let's just let's just close them. I'm saying you got to be realistic about it, right? It, it, if Prairie Meadows is doing well and it's it, it's self sustaining, yeah, keep it. But some of these tracks are not doing that, right? And that's what you got to be. And and the bottom line is this: if there's contraction, but like Jared said, you've got races for the smaller horses because of the contracted tracks and i'm at oaklawn running for the same you know for a bigger purse number one against the same type of horses that i would be running out at prairie meadows hell yeah i would rather be at oaklawn anybody would rather be at oaklawn we're at prairie meadows because that's where he can compete but that's the whole deal if you contract the other part of it is the bigger tracks are going to have to cater to the smaller outfits uh, with at least a couple of races a day. So that it's two things. You can't have, Hey, we got to contract and then piss on all those horses. No, you got it. You got to work with it. You got to go back and you got to say, okay, we've got more horses. Now we need to write races for these horses. Well, Mike, to, I've, Curtis on here, which appreciate the comments, Curtis, but like, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't understand how like, I feel like if you start limiting the races, the dates, I guess, like the amount of days they run at these smaller tracks, I feel like some of these smaller tracks are just going to drift off into the sunset. Like, they're doing it to... Now, get it. Running Prairie Meadows, and there's always been talks about all these different smaller tracks. Running Prairie Meadows at the same time Saratoga's running, you know, or whatever, like, or having a big... Like, that's never going to work. You're always going to lose that... that pet or whatever that's why these a lot of these smaller tracks run on the mondays tuesdays wednesdays but there's i just don't see how if you eliminate the, the race dates how that's going to help these smaller tracks i think they're just going to i mean isn't the idea for them to they're going to go elsewhere if they want to run if they if you have less days that's the problem like you can you can limit like on the surface you go okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna eliminate some race days we're gonna have bigger fields but we're gonna run two days a week what about that guy that trainer back there that that has 50 head of horses and where's he going to run? Right. What he's going to do is he's going to go, God, they're running two days a week here. I got to, I got to have more races to run my horses in. And he's going to he or she is going to get out of there. That's, I remember when, when Prairie Meadows was talking about doing that, they were actually talking about that. And a lot of those guys were, were scared to death because they were like, we're just not going to have enough races because they'll say, Hey, we'll run 12 though, but we'll do it two days a week. They won't actually do that when it happens. They're going to run nine or 10. And then all of a sudden we're going to lose 15, 20 races a week that we used to have. Where are we going to go? So I think logically it makes sense. But when you think about the the, the guy operating his business or the gal operating her business, it, it, it creates a problem. Uh, Jared or Papa dude, any other final thoughts before we move on? I don't have one. No, nope, I'm good. All right, well, one thing that's uh, we haven't experienced a lot together recently, but I'm looking forward to doing it in a couple months, the race day experience being at the track together. Uh, 
how do you improve the race day experience? My one vote is for shorter times between races. Harness races are 10 minutes apart. Baseball finally figured out how to shorten games and like, you know, between that and we figured out how to make money betting it, like we're a lot more interested in baseball this year than we have been in the past. The reason for the big gaps between races, it used to, it dates back to when there were long lines at the teller and everything was done and by hand right there. But so many people do it online, do it on your phones. I don't think you need those big gaps. You can have a special exception on Derby Day or Breeders' Cup Day. Like those, especially because TV kind of is going to control that. I understand wanting to space those out and have time. But outside of that, that's, you know, let, it, let's improve the race day experience. Papa, dude, you're you're a fan of this stuff. How, what would you do to improve the race day experience? Oh, I guarantee. I, I, I agree with you completely. It's too long. You know, I used to love to go to the Arkansas Derby on Derby Day. I hate it now. It starts at noon and you're there till 7.30 or 7 o'clock. That's ridiculous. You know, your average fan's not going to do that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting older, obviously, but I am whipped when I walk out of there. I think, Aaron, you said you're awfully tired yeah. on, on Derby Day. Yeah, I think there's too much time between races. Um, how do you – I don't know. Maybe have – I don't know how you – I've only been to certain tracks and I, you, you, at, at Oakland, it's kind of a little fraternity You kind of sit and you talk to your buddies and the time goes by pretty fast. They don't have any problems with attendance. You know, I, I, I agree with you though, that I cannot stand that weight between the races uh, when they, you know, usually it's 20 minutes, but on these big days, it's 30 and 40 and it's, ugh. Hours sometimes. You, you, yeah, you lose the continuity of the whole thing. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Magic, on that. Uh, Aaron and Jared, this comment from Mark, uh, you, you will understand. Mark says, when I went in 2007, I arrived at Oakland at 10 a.m. and I left at 7.30 after watching Curlin. Longest yep, day ever. <laughs> well, that's the thing, the way the way Halterman and I are, and I mean, probably learned it from, you know, the Papa dude down there. It's like, we when we go to the track, we, we don't typically, I mean, I can count on one hand probably, other than like, you know, big, big days where we bought seats, you know, but like, typically it's like, we're just we're just kind of running around, you know, and we go to the paddock. We might go to the infield for a race. You might because you're just trying, you know, and then on top of that, when we go to the track anymore, you know, it's like we're we're meeting we're meeting people that know us or, we, you know, meeting friends or whatever. So we're like doing a bunch of stuff. And so, yeah, by the end of the day, you're freaking tired, like you're exhausted. It's just a lot of running around. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you go to Saratoga and forget what happened this this year, but you go to Saratoga that's always the biggest issue is like when you talk to people, it's like, Oh man, how, you know, now we got to wait 40 minutes yeah. for this next one. And there's, I mean, it's all about betting, right? They do that to get the most amount of money bet. Um, because it's not like you can have like a five minute turnaround or a 10 minute turnaround because you got to have time for the horses to get in and out. You got to have time for people to make their bets and how the odds are being played. So I get that there's got to be some sort of gap right between the races, but I mean, no more than 20, right? I feel like that would be a perfect amount. When you're talking like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, it's it's just it's just too much. You know, it's like you can only look at a race or these horses for so long before you're like, just freaking run it. Yeah, we, we sit here on these live streams on Saturdays and like or like when I'm planning them and I'm like, I have to text the guys that we're going to be live for three and a half hours for three races because they've got them spaced out for that stupid ass. I'm like, 
what the hell are we going to do? Like, you just can't. And then, of course, it's like five or six horse fields that we do that for. Uh, Aaron, do you have any race day experience suggestions? I know you've been going to the track for a long time. I try to try to do everything in my power possible to make sure horses don't break down right in front of the gallery. That would be my my race day experience. You can get yeah. about time all you want. You can do anything. Try to get it. Try to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. Because that's the only time I've ever not had fun at the racetrack. And it's happened the last few times I've been. And I don't really feel like attending a race after. So uh, you can bitch about times all you want. I don't, I don't I, I got to be real honest with you. I've never been bored between races when I'm there. Now, here, <laughs> sitting here true. with you guys, having to make up something to say for 30 minutes between races, yeah, that sucks yeah. for sure. But when I'm at the track, I've never been bored a day or a second in my life. <laughs> and that's the truth. But you know what? I haven't had fun at uh, two times in my whole life. I've never had fun at the track those two times. So you want to improve it? That's the only way, uh, the only thing I, I say. You do everything you're possible in your power. That that, I mean, yeah. it, it's always going to happen if, every now and then. You make sure it, the least amount of times absolutely possible that could happen. That's that's how you improve it. Because I tell you another thing, I've never seen hundreds of people and thousands of people walk out of a racetrack because it took 30 minutes to run the race. But I have seen it when that happened. So, yeah, to me, that's all it's about. <laughs> And and to, and to be fair, there the, the gap between the time, uh, well, both times it really, but between Maple Leaf and whatever that next race was, I, I, it, it could have been five minutes, it could have been an hour. I don't know. I actually didn't even know that second, the next race had started. That's how I just, I just didn't care, right? What was happening? It was like, oh shit, they're hitting the stretch, you know. Like I didn't even know it was a stakes race, you know. I, I had a bet, you know. I already, you know, it's like it's like you just don't care. And yeah. I, it's a, to Halterman's point that clearly <laughs> needs to be the focus versus how much time is between races. Now, obviously, I do think that this should be shortened, but yeah, let's focus on the th those things first. Well, and I, I yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, if you want to speed it up, be, be 15, 20 minutes between races. The the problem is. You got to get the jockeys back to that jock room. Then you got to get them to the paddock. Then you get them on. You got to get the horses there. You got to clear the other horses out. You got to give the horses adequate time to warm up on the track. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And I know a lot of times they just circle around trying to get the wagering. But still, there's a certain amount of time that it's going to take, right? Even, even like when you go to the harness track, it's at 12, 15 minutes. And maybe that's what thoroughbred racing should be, 15 minutes, you know. But you get you can't cut it down and, and and be not safe. You know, you still has to be adequate time for the horses to leave, the horses to come in, get saddled, warm up, stuff like that. Yeah, that's my favorite part about the harness track is by the time I pissed up, I don't even have time to be mad about the stupid bet I just made on the horse I knew nothing about. <laughs> I just see a I see a new group out there and I'm ready to bet. You know what my favorite part about about harness the harness track at Saratoga is everything. I love everything about it. <laughs> You guys seem like you're having fun with that one. I could some good suggestions in the chat. Uh, Dennis says uh, Churchill has two dollar beer Thursdays, that brings out a whole new crowd. Santa Anita, I know, on holiday Mondays has dollar beer, dollar well, they might have gone up to two dollar beer, two dollar hot dogs, but there's like two holiday Mondays when that qualifies, so it's kind of shit. It's like it doesn't really work that often. Do it more often. Uh, Chris Mello says he likes occasional twilight racing. I more tracks would do that, I think, but there's I, I saw something once about the science of 
the horses when they train in the morning and then race in the afternoon and now you push them at night it throws them off and can kind of screw them up training wise that might be all bullshit i don't know i'd tell you something i'd like to see i think this would be fun as hell i'd like to have have it maybe not every day certain days where you pick who's going to finish last well, we, let's let's save that we're going to get to that okay yeah. all right that's another topic but you're right you're right okay i'm I mean, let's just jump right into it. I know we got 20 some seconds left on here, but we can jump and uh, start the next one. Uh, betting experience. I mean, I think where Papa Dude's going with this, lots of different betting options, uh, prop bets, future bets, things that you don't have to go to an offshore book or wait for the derby pool to open for. Like, uh, I mean, we could just sit here and do an entire show about all of the fun prop bets you could come up with, Papa Dude. So I'll, I'll go back to you. Talk about what, where you were going with that angle there. I think that, I think that would be really fun. To sit there and go, okay, I'm going to pick. Let's have, you may not do it on every race. Just say, you know, like you do pick threes sometimes. How about we have a pick three for who finishes last yep. in every race? Yep. That'd be fun as hell. It would. It, would, it would really be fun. And I guarantee you we'd miss every one of those too. It's a total, it, it, this is the biggest problem in the game, in my opinion, is, this, mm -hmm. is the wagering and the betting experiences. We can go into a lot of it, but why there isn't prop bets offered by these tracks is crazy to me. What is the half mile time going to be in this race? Yeah. How fun would that be over under 46 and a half, you know? Yeah. Or over under 45 and a half if it's a it, you know anything there's a number of things that how many we, races is Aspison gonna win today? Yeah, who's gonna it, who over under a, 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 a one and a half wins for Steve Aspison on Arkansas Derby Day? Yeah, Papa dude, we would bet that all the time. Oh, that would be so much fun. I know, and then you've got a whole so much will come back and work for us again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let me ask yeah, you exactly. this. Let me just throw this out here to you guys because you guys are so good. Uh, and you know, it's so knowledgeable. Do you think horse racing really wants to change? I don't know. No. What do they do? No, I never will forget. Remember when you guys met D Wayne? Uh -huh. And one of the first things he said to you was, It's great to have young people in the game. Yeah, remember? Yep, these yep. three guys are young. I'm not, but I'm progressive. I'm not an old guy. <laughs> Listen. We need you guys in the game because I don't think horse racing wants to change. I think they're satisfied. I think they're making money. And I don't think they give a shit about anything else. And I really believe that. Yeah. So, exactly. And and I want to bring up – oh, you brought it up. Uh, uh, Stephen Benson brings it up. He said, so, you know, states are, are allowing sports betting. It's going to have a huge effect on racing. This is why. If you pull up uh, – let's pull up – if you pull up Maryland versus Virginia tonight, a nothing oh, game – basically, unless you're a fan of Maryland or Virginia, right? There's over 200 bets you can make on that game. Tonight. Yeah. You, you can look at any, and that, this is not just big games, like you're saying, like any, any kind of angle you like to play. Yeah. I really think that wide receiver for whatever is, is going to have more than 62 yards tonight. Let me go find the bet for that. Okay, it's I'm getting blah, blah, blah. Boom. I got it. Yeah. It's that easy. Okay, we're at the track. You know, me and Papa Dude are, are griping about, like, I like this horse. He he thinks that horse will – you know, I don't know if my horse is going to win, but sure, I'm going to beat your horse. <laughs> well, get a head-to-head -head bet. Yeah. Like, so, that shit would be fun for friends because you don't have to do much there. You're just like, I am just know I'm trying to beat your horse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
when Kelby and I are are together and we've been drinking, we throw on TVG. I'll go. I'll, I'll say I'll take the three. He'll take the five, and we just go head to head for a dollar. And you know how much fun exactly. we have doing that? Yeah. I mean, we we have a blast. And that this is this is two people. These are two people. Kelby's been in it since birth. I, you know, I've been in it not since birth, but hardcore for you know fifteen years now. We're not getting out our phones and playing. You know, we're just like, no, you get the five, I get the three. We're going for a buck. And the next day, we'll go our next race. We'll go two bucks, and we'll just do that. Yeah. I mean, it that is that is fun, and that that would be so much fun. The problem is like we're so entrenched on we have to have this paramutual. It has to be paramutual. Fine, keep it, keep that paramutual if you want to. But then over here on this other side, add these props, right? Add, add all these prop rights. You can have both. You know, it's like, okay, now you're playing against the track or the book here for these 50 prop bets that we're offering today, right? It it can be easily added and easily done. It would also create jobs because you'd have to have guys or gals that would be setting those kind of lines. And so you'd have a little bit of job creation for it too. And also the, the other thing, when you're betting a winner, right? And you're new to the game and the win, and you walk into the gate and the horse is seven to five, and you bet $5, you think, I'm going to win 7 bucks profit if this horse wins. And they break from the gate, and they get to the turn, and the horse is 1 to 5. And all of a sudden, I'm going to win $1 for that $5. A new fan, if that happens to them, and there is no if, it will happen to them if they do it even two or three times, they're done. It's over. You're going to have to offer fixed odds wagers Mm-hmm. Not on all of them. I'm not saying throw away the paramutual, uh, you know, yeah. system completely, but you're going to have to have a wagering menu menu that offers fixed odds because these people, if they bet sports and they're betting the Kansas city chiefs at plus plus one ten, and they bet it, and then they fall for some reason, say they fall to minus 200. They don't have to worry about, well, now I get half of what I would have got. No, I bet it at plus one ten. They they are not gonna stick around horse racing if that happens to them. So you've got to offer some fixed odds, some racing, uh, so, some way. Uh, excuse me, some wagering menu for these people, and they might gradually go into the other things like doubles, pick threes, pick fours, and pick fives. But you've got to have some kind of introduc- introductory system in place for these people because that's what they know. And, and like I said. They're betting because that's the odds they can get right now, right? And that's why they're doing it. So they're not going to want to bet on racing when it's that kind of situation. And go back to uh, just on the fixed odds topic. Marco Lou brought this up in the chat a while ago. If they bring in fixed odds, you can shorten the time between races too. Yes. (laughs) That goes hand in hand. I've been waiting to bring that up, Marco. (laughs) I had a conversation the other day with uh, just a a friend that doesn't know much about horse racing. And I was was talking about something about it. And um, I'm sure we were talking about horses dying or something, you know, right? And so, but we started talking about betting. And it's like, well, like, you can't bet, though, until, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, this, I love this horse, but he's, like, 10 to 1. But it's, like, it's probably not going to go off that. And you're, like, like, what? Yeah. They didn't understand, like. No, no, you have to wait till the race starts before you know exactly what odds you get. Even if you, so it, I feel like in some regards you get punished. It's like when you find a good bet in sports or, you know, whatever it is, you like, I just love that team. And imagine betting that team because of what you thought you knew, right? And then the game starts and you find out, oh, by the way, the, the, now the, they're not now the favorites, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, well, that sucks, you know, like that's not as fun. 
So it, it's the same thing doing that. And I feel like with a lot, of, especially the big races, get get rewarded for having an opinion for these with the fixed odds. I think that would be um, I think that would be really really cool. And by the way, with with Curtis is saying like I think you're right, Curtis. Like it's you, the you, younger people are more. Uh, scared i don't know if scared is the right word but intimidated by the game to even get into because you don't even know how to start like it's so, like yeah. bets are all over the place and i don't even know what to do that's what when you start having these interesting bets with the head-to-heads or the over-unders or whatever it's like that's that's relatable because yeah. that's what they've been doing in sports they you know, over under the the final time over under uh how many wins this jockey's gonna have today uh you know but the total whatever there's a thousand different examples but that's how you i mean there's a lot of reasons how you can get that but that's one big way you can kind of transition people from sports because like hey i bet sports i'll bet horse racing well not all people do that but if you can if you knew the understanding of hey i know that this horse needs to beat this horse or i know like that's exactly like when i bet sports then it's a little bit more of a natural uh, a leap. Yeah, and to that point, when when Jared and I went to the track for the first time, we didn't jump into the pick fives, right? No. We, we didn't play. We didn't play superfectas. We we yeah. tried to keep really really simple. But boy, would have been nice if it was even simpler, you know. And I, I think that's just it. I mean, that's a, a good point. You you you've got to if you're going to transition sports betters into horse racing. You got to make it easier on them, period. And I know some people are like, well, this is, this is, you know, horse racing. You got to learn it. No, I mean, yeah, but you can't just show up at the track and like, okay, I've learned everything. I feel like I can compete with this guy that's been doing it 30 years and jump in the same exact pool that he's in. Right. I mean, what, who's going to do that? So, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. You go to the track, you're trying to win money and trying to, you know, yeah. but when you're talking, we, how many times Halterman or any of us here that where you go to the track and you, we, we get to talking to a group of guys or they're at a bachelor party and they're there and they're having fun or whatever. And like, what's more, like, what's the funnest thing about, uh, uh, fantasy football? It's, it's like competing against my friends, like bragging rights. I don't care about what, what money I'm making and things like that. It's like, I want to beat Alterman this week, you know? And mm-hmm. so it, if you, you don't really have that as much it, it now it, the, the general sense you do, it's part mutual, but when it comes to your actual friends you're with, that's how you get people excited. These young people at the game, because you're like, Hey, like we can have this, we have all of my group of guys here. We can do these head to head bets and, you know, talk shit. And then like my bet, my horse is going to try to beat your horse and things like that versus, well, I had the super, I had the pick five, or maybe we pulled our money together for a pick five and we got, we went to a five, you know, it's just, it's, it's not as, it's harder for these young, the, the people that are new to the game to kind of get excited about it. Well, then by the I mean, way, you can... have horses collapsing on the track and then you right. just, it's just a nightmare, uh, from all across the board. We kind of do that last thing you were talking about, Jared, when we go to the Breeders' Cup, right? We do like the little fantasy draft. We all pick horses yeah. and we get points <laughs> off of who we think. And we all chip in, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And then it's, yeah, you go have but we're fun not, But we're not caring. Like, when we go, like, we don't care about how much money we're making. We just want to win, right? Yeah. It's yeah. about it's about bragging rights. And so if you, yeah. like, you know, we go to a race, say, well, okay, Magic's got the six and I've got the four. Okay, but if I, you know, and so you're just you're competing. I'm, I'm hoping I do finish better than you. Well, and so there's a lot more of these, of those kind of competition things uh, that you could do in, in horse racing um versus I, just trying to make a yeah. bet. 
Yep. I, I think most people want to win. I think they get bigger kick out of winning. You know, they can go home and say, hey, I got five of them right today. You know, I, how many times you guys, the people come up to you and they go, hey, I'm going to the track for the first time. What do I need to know? Yeah. And what do you tell them? You go, uh, how much time do you got? Have you got six hours for me to sit down and talk to you and get a blackboard and put all this crap up on the board? It's a very complicated sport. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really is. And let's face it, guys, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to sit down and handicap. That's why our website is so damn good. Right. Yeah. People are too damn lazy to handicap it themselves. It's difficult. You know, it's really hard. You spend an hour and a half handicapping uh, the race car that day, and then you go to the track, and everything you did didn't turn out right. You get frustrated. So what do you do? You go in the casino, you put 50 bucks in the slot machines, and you win more there than you did in all that work. And it's difficult. Yeah. It's hard. And people today have an attention span about that long, and they don't, they, they don't have time to, you know, so – it, it's really hard to get people into the game, it, you know, get new people into it. You've got to, and they're not all like us. They don't go to the track and they just get hooked. Right. You know, a lot of people don't. And, and, you know, it's, I mean, with me, the first time I went, I didn't know shit and I felt stupid. You know, I don't like to feel stupid. I, I'm stupid enough. So I got to studying it. You know, I, I thought, well, it, it, first of all, it kind of grabbed me. And then I thought, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start charting trainers. I'm going to start charting these horses. I'm going to see what's, go, what's going on. Didn't do any good. But anyway, it kind of got me, you know, and but a lot of people, they, they don't want to do that. They don't yeah. want to do that. So, anyway. you know, I, I saw a comment from Curtis on there earlier about the lay betting. And, you know, that's a lot pretty similar to what Papa Dude was talking about earlier about betting a horse to finish yeah. last. But in a sense, it's like, lay betting is just like and they do it overseas uh it's a big thing overseas right it's like and i don't know about you guys but there's a lot of times where i'm like i don't know who's gonna win this race but i sure as shit know that horse is not winning this race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know i would love to bet that <laughs> i would love to lay that lay a bet on that horse because it's like dude i don't like this race is wide open but i know that horse is not yeah. winning and like we can't do that like i think that would be an amazing bet to like and you could do that all day long Oh yeah. And Jared, how many times have we sat there and we're like, I beat the favorite. I knew that chalk was losing, but I didn't yeah. have the right one. Right. Yes, right? Absolutely. All, All the, time. the time. I mean, and that is a bet where it's just like, okay, don't have to worry about it. Yeah. That would be a, There's a ton of, again, I think this would be a great show to have sometime is just to talk about all the different prop bets. Like oh. that we think of, um, I, I know the fixed odds betting thing was a, a big topic, uh, a, a big subtopic here under the betting experience. I think that would also, uh, Chris Maiello was bringing up computer-aided wagering where you have like the, just the giant sums of money that come in at the last second and change the odds. And, you know, a horse goes off at 5-2, to two, wins at 1-5. to five. You know, you're trying to – that a lot of that is from the computer-aided wagering. So yep. I, I don't know if any of us have any uh, – like opinion other than it sucks. I don't know if there's a way to really stop it. I know that some of the ADWs are trying to fix that, but well, I think I think cutting cutting it two minutes to post, you cut it out, and that's what some tracks have done, and that does help a lot because you don't get that huge plummet. So that's that is yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, but other than that, that's that's about all you can do at this point. Uh, last last thing to talk about here, uh, and Papa, you kind of alluded to getting more you know new people into the game and making it easier for them to understand. Accessing information, you know, if, Aaron, you brought up a great point with, was it Maryland, Virginia, 
were playing earlier today. If, if you wanted to know what the statistics for those two teams and their last head-to-head on Friday nights in September for the last 10 years, you could find that information. You don't have to go to behind the paywall. You want to find out a simple speed figure rating for a horse that won the Kentucky Derby, you got to pay 10 bucks, 15 bucks to this person. And it's every time you go to the track, it's ridiculous. So accessing information, how do we make it easier for, how do we fix this? I mean, Aaron, any, any ideas? We have to have more than one data company. I've been, I've been, I've been saving all my ammunition for this segment. So <laughs> we have, we have a, a monopoly on who has the data that that's yeah. all it is and which is that base for people who don't know yeah and they they have all the data jared go ahead i mean because they have all the yeah, data no, and there's no jared do. yeah they don't want to work with no. anybody or do anything they just want to <laughs> line their pockets with money and be assholes to everybody we're not the, everybody hates them go ahead jared here's a true story Equibase has one has sent us a cease and desist letter at one point in our in our lifetimes they also refuse to work with us they won't. We, we've we've tried to work with them. We've tried to work on ideas that we can help work together, grow the game. We could help offer this. We could do that. Won't, they won't even. They hate us. DRF, pretty much the same. It's like these companies, and they don't give. You talked. Or we talked earlier about how like growing the game. They don't care. They don't care who's new and who's young, and if the game grows, they don't give two shits about it. Like you're saying, Magic. Like, making the the information no put it behind a paywall like they they don't want you to have that information they don't care like there's nothing they are what's wrong with horse racing in a nutshell equibase is what's the problem with this sport because they don't care about how it grows they don't they don't want you like they don't it doesn't matter if you buy if you don't buy like they know that their people that are using their services are the track because here's the thing guys that people don't realize when it comes to a feed, like the data you're seeing, or if you're talking about the video itself, like what they believe that they own all of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, let's say the uh, horse finished, like you're at whatever you're at Oakland and the horse, you know, the order was three, one, four, and you post, put it on your website or on whatever the order finished was three, one, four. Here was the order. The horse's, Oh no no no, no no no! They own that right, okay? That 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 race finished. They own that data, even though you saw it with your own eyes and you're just putting it out there. What you saw, they think that they own it, and so then that becomes this issue of what you can present and what you can show. Not about like, hey, let's work together, let's make this thing like work. Same thing as the video. You can't even like look at a video without paying for it. Then you know, like they want you like. The access anyone that knows handicapping when you're trying to find a replay, you know how fucking hard it is to find a replay for a horse for that you like how magic. Like you're talking about how hard it is to find data. Like it shouldn't be that hard to find a horse. Now, again, if the horse is running in graded stakes races over and over, like that's one thing. But when you're like trying to handicap a main special weight and you want to see the fourth race at Churchill the other day, it's like I can't even find it. Like I don't even know. And I, it's just crazy the, the limit of we put on our data. How do we expect to grow the game? It like if if Halterman's neighbor wanted to learn about it, and Halterman's like, "Well, how do you watch? How do I bet? How long do you have? Like, forget about the bets. Yeah. Just the ability 
to study the information and know what you're doing is you like, I don't, I can't even explain it. I okay. think that was fantastic. I think Dennis made it. Uh, 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 that was beautiful. I hate them so well, badly. You I, do. Can I jump in, Jared? Yeah. The last, so, so all the, a lot of that stuff he was talking about happened a few years ago, right? Recently, we, 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 we'll do a new approach. We will tell them, we want to give them money for advertising. We want to advertise on your site. We contacted them wanting to give them money. By the way, if anybody wants to contact us wanting to give us money, the answer will be yes. Okay. But anyway, I think I'll, I'll reply think so fast to that email. email. <laughs> I get all three of us reply that time, but 99.9% .9 of the time, that's it. And they accused us of stealing from their site, which we don't. They said there's no way we can handicap all these tracks without using their site to create computer picks, which we don't. And they pretty much told us to F off and they won't even talk to us. And it's like, what? This this happened again? I mean, th it's amazing. And if you don't know, Equibase supplies the data for all these companies. So like DRF, Equibase supplies the data. Uh, you know, uh, Any company where you buy data, Equibase is supplying that feed. So that's why you might be like, well, what are they even talking about? There's more places you can get data no. than just Equibase. Yes. But all that is is just a refurbished feed that they're upcharging from Equibase, right? They now, believe they own that data. DRF. So they, um, these other companies do have unique things about them. But the base of their past performances are just Equibase data feeds. Which is why they don't care about growing it because they know that every single source out there, like as far as the tracks or the you know, all these things, have to pay for it. So it's like, well, we don't care that, you know, that, you know, Curtis Manlow is bitching about the, uh, you know, the, the cost or whatever. It's like, I don't care. You know, I don't care that he wants to bring new people to the game. I don't like, I know the track's paying me this much and we're making all this money. So it's crazy. Yeah. And you're right. Like, I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm an extreme, like I'm on the <laughs> extreme side as far as the hate, but no one likes them. Yeah. Everyone knows. Well, and, and like, Equinedge again, it's it's Equibase data that they yes. formulate. I mean, they have their own algorithms and stuff. That's not Equibase, but the data, like the information that they plug in, comes from Equibase. Everything runs through Equibase. And, and here's, here's another is Equibase as far as what horses they tell you about, but the data comes from Equibase. And let's say you you had an idea to like. Maybe you had an algorithm or something. You, you've been messing with your spreadsheets for years and you have like, like, hey, I think I could like, you know, and you manually enter everything. You're like, I could probably sell this, you know, and you, so you want to act, you just want access to the feed, you know, and you'll, you'll gladly pay for the feed, but you just want access to it. But now they want you to pay, they, they because you're discerning those picks from that data, they want a cut of the money that you're making from that. That, well, those cells to be clear i'm not going to give a number but they want a significant cut a cut that would put us out of business if we decided to go down that road because you're accessing that information to sell a product and that and by the way i'm not like every single you look i mean you go as far as as the, the uh AEWs and things like that like the amount of fees that go into like they're making a fraction of what money they're betting is getting bet into it. And it's just crazy that they believe like, I like when we were kind of approaching that situation, we were like, we're gladly pay for it. That'd be great. Like, you know, make our lives easier than manually entering everything. But 
like you think you're gonna now get a percentage of the cut? <laughs> that seems that's wild. Yeah, it, it just it's just it's crazy. We are one of one of all that that are affected, and we are affected very smallly, as in not because we we will not use them. Period. Like. I would rather write it in blood with my hands every day <laughs> than give them a penny for for that. But anyway, but that but there's a lot of other companies that they're they're being held hostage, and that's why it's costing so much. It's not necessarily DRF's greedy or Brisnet is greedy. It's they've got to make money, but they're having to pay so much to Equibase that they got to mark it up, and that's that's why the data is costing so much. It's it's a it's a monopoly. I hope Equibase, Equibase watches us. <laughs> they are they're, they're too old to even know what YouTube is. <laughs> um, I by the way, Woodbine they did the their uh, draw on YouTube for the Woodbine Mile this summer. The Natalma had some slight slight internet glitch issues. Otherwise, best performance I've ever seen. Like, they had the video screens up. They were ready to go. They were on their shit. Like, as soon as he read a name out, it appeared digitally on this. It was, oh, like, yeah. It, they, it made me remember the Monmouth Park days when they had a phone on a table and nobody microphoned and it was windy and they would draw a name and you go, what did he say? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people being old, that's, sorry, that's where I went with that. Well, dude, you, 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 you attend any like of event like that, as far as like on, t- like when they have it streamed, you're like, oh shit, this is going to be a disaster. Yep. What yeah. Kind of, what kind of, st- what kind of technology are they using for this? You know? And it's just, it's, but then you're la- you look at it, you're like, yeah, this is, this is what I expect. So and to, to, to Steven's point here. Yeah. You can get raw data and you can use that data. If you've got if, if your systems in place for a buck for, but the problem is like, most people aren't going to know what to do with raw data, right? We're talking about past performances. We're talking about what the most of the general public is buying. That's that's not really what they want. And I know there are a plenty of you guys that probably you can use that raw data and you've got your system and, and it, it's fine and that's great. That's not exactly what we're talking about right now, though. But well, that, listen, you want to talk ahead. about, I mean... If you're a, like, if you think of $1, that doesn't seem much, but now you're talking 20 tracks a day, every well, day. True. For the whole month or whatever. It, it adds up, you know? And on top of that, you're having to, you know, now pay for something to discern, you know, to, to compile that data and put it into whatever form you're wanting. And it's just like, it's, it gets very, trust me, it gets very expensive. And, and on top of that, let's say you were wanting to sell it. Now you paid for that data and you have to pay me a per percentage of what you're selling it. And it's because like they even want, whenever you're just, even if when you look, like even if like, because you looked at data they had and made a pick, that means you're, they're entitled to something. Right. And I don't I, to me, it's like, well, where do you stop with that? Where does the line? I mean, doesn't everybody that does a podcast look at your data? Do you need their money for their ads? Like, you know, how, where does it end? It, the funniest thing of all is we've talked to a lawyer and it is not enforceable in any way. And that's why they never go any further with it. They just try to strong arm and bully people. But if you went to, if you went to court <laughs> in no way, will that stand? 
it's just a matter of wanting to fight it and how much it's yeah. going to cost. And they obviously yeah. have money to, you know, to spend. And it's like, no one wants to go to the battle them. You know, they're the big bad monsters of horse racing. It's like, no one wants to, uh, you know, everyone hates them, but no one wants to fight them. So here we go. Well, are. listen, we, we appreciate everybody after a, an hour and 20 of sticking with us through this one. And, and really after an hour and 20 minutes, uh, thereabouts, here's the real answer. Free beers becomes horse racing commissioner. Boom. Everything is magically better. Paul Withrow, good I'd to see you. Him. I'd vote for him. Well, yeah. who else would you vote for? <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> if, my, if my options were what it is now or him, I'd pick him. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate like a like a final little uh, segue or final thought here. We can we can wrap this up. Yep. Do you have a final? Do you have a final thought you want to give? I'll go. I mean, I'll just start things off. And, um, you know, listen, I, I, I think this was good. Uh, I don't know if it, I'm, I think I might be, it's kind of like therapy. Like I'm a big advocate of therapy for anybody. It's like, I, this is very therapeutic, but I also, when you leave therapy after, right after therapy, you feel very like emotionally charged and like, Oh, this mm-hmm. sucks. You know, like you, you got to let this, have to sit on this one for a little while guys, but I do think hopefully it helped everyone listening uh, a little bit. It helped us. And, you know, I, I think this is a good idea to, to get on here and, and have these discussions just because this is what's on all our minds. Um, you know, we just, it, it, I think for a lot of us, uh, really everybody on this show, um, it's, you know, we all have our shows and, and we, you know, blinkers off, we struggle with this a lot because in the opening, we tend to just talk about random topics and things that's going on. And then you're like, well, we got to get into race nine at Santa Anita or whatever, you know, it's just like, you want it's nice to have this kind of platform to just be like let's just vent this out because this is really what we want to talk about but we're in, don't want to have to cover a race right now so um i just I appreciate everybody's uh, you know, comments on here it's been awesome and uh, hopefully we, mm-hmm. we'll just keep doing this every once in a while to let everybody uh have some therapy aaron i see you nodding your head you agree Race one at Remington Park coming up 707 Central tonight, uh, guys. I want everybody to jump on. Good fields uh, at Remington Park tonight. Nine races. Go buy your products, racingdudes.com. That's racingdudes.com. Field of nine or field of eight in the opener after two scratches. So we'll see what happens. I really like the two JB's legacy six to one in the first race. <laughs> Papa dude, final yeah. thoughts. Wrap it. Get, end this on a high note here. I, I, I can't believe I raised him. <laughs> I, I, I just Neither can't. Can anybody else. I mean, and it's exactly what he's going to do. You know, yeah. that's the pitiful thing. He wasn't joking. It's exactly what he's going to do. He's had so, to beat on the entire time. Yeah, I, I really don't think horse racing is in any danger. I don't. I think it's got its own little niche. I don't know if we can grow the game. I don't know. It, it doesn't play well on TV because there's too much time between races. People cannot stay interested in it. It's pretty hard. You know, you got to have a knack for it. You got to love it. And I think with the betting the way it is, I mean, I'm not worried about it going away. I just don't think the people that are running horse racing are more than us. I don't think they care. I think they're satisfied with where it's at. And we've got great ideas. I don't know whether they're ready for that. But I'm optimistic about a lot of it. I'm not as pessimistic as you know. I, I just think it's still gonna be just fine. I I, I really do. 
Yeah, yeah. This, by the way, I've been looking at the comments. This was a, a bait and switch. By the way, everyone owes us money for listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> you all owe us sixty nine. You cents. heard us talk about it. That means we own it. So you can pay us now. <laughs> sixty nine cents per person, apparently. So. Uh... <laughs> uh, no, but to, to your point, Papa dude, doesn't it seem weird that like, you know, we're all worried. Well, we are, but you know, worried about the sport, and then you see you know, the same breath. You see like Saratoga, Belmont. They're all up. They're all updating their stuff, and Belmont's about to have this massive um, yeah. venue and and this new venue. And then you talk about the breeding situations, and all we keep seeing horses go for more and more and more, and it's just like, yeah, that's you would think this would be the other going the other way if we were really in danger of this. I don't think we are <laughs> being gone. So it just, I don't know. I have that battle sometimes in my mind. It's like, Oh, I think tomorrow this thing's going to be over, but then I see a horse sold for $2 million and yeah. like, well, they would be buying these horses if and selling them for this, if, if they thought the racing was going to be ending tomorrow. So I, it's not ending tomorrow, but it's, it's, we have got, they've got to do something or we we're going to gradually do yeah. this. Yep. That's you need new ideas. No yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, I like that. We'll end on this one. Just a, what a fun story that I, well, it's good for him, I guess. Uh, Poison Sumac says most of the big owners are in it for tax breaks. Uh, Mick Ruiz got into it because he was into horse racing because he was doing so well with his businesses that he needed like tax write-offs. So he started just spending a shit ton of money on horses and then he got bolt Oro and started making money and then turned him to the stallion and started making that money again. So he had to start buying more horses again recently in the last like year or two because he was making too much money <laughs> owning horses. I love you, Mick, but that's no, that's that's uh, come on. No, that's that's the dream right there. Do that. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, this was a success. We'll do this again. Hopefully not for serious reasons. Hopefully we can just have more of a, a lighter conversation. But we do appreciate you. Again, if you didn't catch us live, uh, post your thoughts down in the comments section. We'll continue the chat offline for Jared Welch, Aaron Haltman, Papa Dude. I'm Magic. Thanks so much. We will see everybody here next time. Make sure you visit racenews.com for free picks every race, every day, every track across the country. Until next time, good luck at the races.